On this episode of Sega Talk, we talk about the birth of Boost gameplay, discuss the creation of that other purple cat named Blaze, and talk about the funky beat soundtrack and more. What's the rush? Stay tuned for Sega Talk. Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk number 103. I'm your host, George. And like always, with me is Blazing Barry. Yeah, let's uh, let's light it up, bro. <laughs> okay, this one was a little <laughs> bit better than my last one. So um, today yeah. we will be talking about the adrenaline-filled Sonic video game for the Nintendo DS exclusive, still exclusive. But before that, Barry, can you tell the fine folks at home about this thing called Patreon? Yes, so there's this website, it's called Patreon.com. It allows you to support creators like us without us having to rely on services like YouTube and, and places like that where they they give you peanuts or, or nothing, and we get nothing. So um, Patreon is your source for Segabits and our source for keeping this show alive. And we have a, a small but thriving community, and I, I want... I want it to be bigger. So uh, please join. Please help. Please support. Um, if you support us at any level, you get an audio episode of this show a week early. If you support us at 5 bucks, you get the video a week early. And if you support us at 20 you get to tell us what to do. And so our we call them, I call them Patreon pickers. So our picker this week is Bobbert. Castaneda, Castaneda, and uh, he said, Hello, George and Barry from Segabits. You might remember me from my last pick, The Conduit. You guys were probably expecting me to request the sequel to the game, but I decided to go with one of my favorite Sonic games instead. Don't worry, that request is coming soon. I'm just waiting for the right moment. He's very evil. I know. Uh, Sonic Rush is the reason why I wanted a Nintendo DS. I loved the new Boost gameplay, and it was the debut of one of my favorite Sonic characters, Blaze the Cat. I like the way Sonic Team and Dimps made use of the dual screen by letting your character go up and down and use of the touch screen in the special stages. Here's hoping Sega would give us this game a remake with voice acting and animated cutscenes. And um, right there you just heard his memory. Now, if you are a Patreon member, any Patreon member of ours, you can leave your memories. We'll be reading the rest at the end of the show. I don't really know which way to point, but it's it's back that way at the end. So, thanks. Thanks, Bobbert. So, Sonic Rush is a game developed jointly by Sonic Team and Dimps, as we said in the memories in the beginning for the Nintendo DS way back in November 2005. And it, it feels like, it, I don't know, it doesn't feel that old, but it is really an old game. Um, and was positively re, uh, received by critics and fans, I would say. Some fans, obviously. There's always going to be fans that do not like uh, 
the new modern take on classic gameplay, especially back in 2005 when we didn't have a classic Sonic. So now with Mania, mm -hmm. I think people are more open to this kind of stuff. Um, this was a continu continuation of Dimps's handheld games from the uh, the Sonic Advance, which we did Sega Talk number 54 on Sonic Advance number one. So if you guys want to see us talk about that. That's right. The game actually ended up changing the direction of Sonic games, mainly because of the boost-type gameplay in this game and making Sonic rush, <laughs> I guess. And mm -hmm. uh, But also, it, for the first time, introducing Blaze the Cat, a new character. So, Barry, what is your history with Sonic Rush on the Nintendo DS? And do you remember the talk surrounding this game while it came out or leading to its release? Well, I mean, after Sonic Heroes, I kind of took a break from the franchise because I was focusing on college. So really anything between 2003 and 2008, I want to say, I wasn't paying that much attention to. I was aware that the game existed. Um, I watched some short clips, but I didn't own a DS. And so because of that, the game really wasn't on my radar. It wasn't until... Years later, I got a 3DS, and I went back, and I, I bought up all the games that I missed. And, um, yeah, this one definitely stands out. I mean, um, I, I was playing it, obviously, years after playing so many other recent Sonic games. So it was kind of bizarre to be hearing, like, Hideki Naganuma music mixed with, like, Sonic. And also to be doing boost gameplay, which I had already experienced in Unleashed in a 2D setting. Um that, that was kind of odd. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's essentially my history with the game. Just, like, I, it existed. It, you know, it's about as strong as my history with, like, Sonic CD. I knew of it, but I didn't have the hardware, so I didn't really pay attention to it. Mm. Me, um, I was actually... This is, like, when I started posting on the Sega forums when they were still alive back then and thriving. Um, a lot of it... Uh, a lot of people being disappointed with the recent games of Sonic, like... Um, I think this year, uh, 2005, it was also Shadow the Hedgehog and Sonic Gems Collection. Um, it really showed you that Sonic Team was pimping out the Sonic brand, especially going third party when Sega needed money, especially being bought out by Sammy. Um, so it was mm. a lot of people had negative reactions like, "Oh, this is gonna suck," or "Every game that comes out next is gonna suck because it's being rushed." There's two or three, a, you know, a year. Um, I think this mm. one is the one that actually went against the grain in those games. I think this is one of the shining examples that you could do a good game. Um, I do think there is negatives about the game. Like uh, sometimes you go too fast and you don't know what's going in front of you. And it, and it, it could get annoying. Uh, and some of the levels too, since they were being built for the DS, which goes up and down. They had like pits randomly in all these levels. Like little things like that you could right. you know, fix later on. But besides that, I really love the boss take on here, and I think Sonic Team kind of copied the idea of like a 2D polygon thing where you're in the front and there's a big thing in the back or whatever, a robot. So there's a lot of inspiration Sonic Team took for this game, uh, for the future of the brand. So I, I actually, I, I recommend trying Sonic uh, Rush if you like boost gameplay for sure. So yeah. the storyline. The way that Sonic 3 and Sonic Adventure 2 both center around the new rival character being introduced, Sonic Rush is kind of like that, only this time with a female cat, Blaze, from another dimension, subtly, uh, suddenly appearing in Sonic's world. 
and notices her powerful soul emeralds have been missing. This game also Uh-oh. introduces the other dimension Eggman, which is not actually another dimension Eggman. He's actually from the future. Sorry. Um, I, I think this is old notes, and then I literally... Okay, so there's... We'll talk about that right now, but uh, which we'll talk about okay. in a bit. While other games like Sonic CDs introduce time travel, this is the first Sonic game to that had another, the idea of another dimension. Am I saying... Is, is this correct? Is this the first Sonic game like that? Um... Yeah, I think you'd be right. Yeah. And uh, so now the idea of another dimension, another multiverse, it's very popular now with move, you know, with Marvel movies and everything everywhere all at once. Um, it's on everyone's mind, but this game did it back then. Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, it, it is canon because uh, Lost World is basically the same idea, right? Only Sonic is the one that's lost in a different world. So... Um, right. So, what is your reaction to the idea of Blaze sort of being a Sonic and Knuckles type role from another dimension? I mean, I I kind of like the idea that Blaze is actually Sonic, if if that's what they're truly setting up. And I mean, I have a little Blaze, and we'll we'll talk about them, but a little action figure here. But she has Sonic's shoes, but they're like pink high heels. Um, but I. I if that's truly like the concept that it's like another universe and she plays the role of Sonic, but it's so far removed that, you know, it's not like Doctor Strange uh, 2 where it's like quite literally the same actor and he just has like a different haircut, but it's so far removed that it's more like, I don't know, into the Spider-Verse with like Spider-Pig and Miles Morales. Like they're right. completely different individuals, but they play the same role. Um, I think that's kind of cool and I think that's a great way to take the story because otherwise it would just be oh man here we go again like Blaze is like I'm from the Bla- the Soul Islands and we've never met before but you're here and I'm you're evil you know like yeah yeah I, I actually appreciate that it's just the problem is um, fans are kind of upset that they've never really stuck with that or explored it more you know I, I have to agree with fans a little bit. Like, there's so much potential here that it's kind of like sometimes I'm like, I feel like Sonic Team doesn't know what they're trying to do sometimes. Like, so Lost World, he's lost in another world. Wouldn't it be cool to explore finally, you know, this soul dimension? Like, he could have been lost with Blaze, where, you know, she was a playable character. That, that could have been cool in the 3D game, but instead he was lost in this world with Zavik and they're trying to make Zavik a thing it's kind of that's kind of strange and then in Forces Eggman takes over in an alternative future I think right is that the story yes. for Forces okay and so um, yeah. I like the idea of Blaze but I just wish that they would expand on it a little more and give her more of a leading role um, she's kind of just after this game, she's always just a side character, like most of the characters, right? They get their game, and then they're a side character, and they're tossed aside a bit. Is there, like, a lag yeah. going right here or something? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I have nothing right. to, okay, to argue. <laughs> um, well, Sonic's story has interesting takes. It's quite simple, but I think that works for Sonic games, where you would rank one in terms... What would you rank this game in terms of other Sonic games? Like, because um, it's 
it's, it is a basic story, right? Like, it's just Sonic 3, but with another dimensional character. I mean, I, I think at the time this was one of the stronger games at, at that time. Um, but looking back now, I really kind of have to group them. Like, I, I don't like ranking this against, like, the advanced games or the classics on the Genesis. I, I would say, and we, we actually held a poll on the Segabits Twitter, and this one won out. Like, no, no question. Like, it was the most popular of all of the DS Sonic games. So, I mean, that right there tells you that this was a solid entry on the DS. It was also just, like, a really beloved title. You know, it's solid, too. It's, I, I, I'm sure we'll have some nits to pick, but it's, oh, yeah, it's up there. Yeah. No, game's, no game's perfect. Like, a lot of people love new Super Mario Brothers. I can't stand it. I think it's too easy. I think the newer new Super Mario Brothers, they made them harder. But the first one on DS, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, don't give me this game. I don't want to play it. I'll never I'll never replay the game ever in my life. Probably get hate for that one, but it's all, it's all good. Um, Sonic... Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the characters in this game. Um, we all know Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Um I will say something cool about this game. The art was done by the original... Uh, I mean, the guy that did the Sonic Adventure artwork, as you could tell. It's obvious. Yeah. So his yeah. biography say, from this game is footloose and fancy free. His only gripe is with evildoers. He's sometimes quick to anger, but will always lend a helping hand when someone's in trouble. There's no stopping the world's fastest supersonic hedgehog. And yeah, that's Sonic... Not, nothing more that to is. say about this guy. He's a beautiful blue boy that uh, can't do no wrong. Next we have Eggman. Obviously, he has to be in every Sonic game. Has he not been in one Sonic game ever, like at all? I I don't I can't think of one. Yeah, I can't think of one either. An arrogant and self-professed evil scientific geni- <laughs> genius with a passion for robotics and dreams of enslaving the world in his own Eggman land utopia. His schemes are invariably foiled by Sonic, and he has never let the details stop him. And, uh, yeah, he's a good character. He's great in this this game. Uh, He kind of takes a backseat a little bit, but the next character we're going to talk about can't show that yet. So... Most characters here, we just just go here, here, here they are. But with Blaze the Cat, um, so much changed from the character from concept to uh, release. First, we're going to see a couple of designs. Uh, the first design is just the original. I am assuming this is the original uh, Blaze design. But uh, this was leaked back in 2012 by Kevin, the old Sonic uh, Europe community manager uh, for Sega Europe and owner of Sonic oh, Rex. Oh, yeah. And it's believed to be the original, which resembled more of a shadow. Uh, but some people have speculated that it's actually a silhouette to tease the new character to the media and not actually supposed to be uh, public art- yeah, artwork. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing, though. She had more of a blazing hair. Like, if you look at her hair in the first picture, it's like more like. It looks like fire compared to her actual like a blue design. Flame. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they also have this other picture where it would have been the logo if what the game would have looked like, which gives me massive Sonic and Knuckles vibes in a way. Also, it's surprising how like 
raw this artwork is that they showed to um, newspapers. Like, you could tell that the black in uh, the blaze was colored with a marker. Yeah, I mean, what was the... It looks like fan art. Right? That's what I was thinking, the same exact thing. I was thinking the same exact thing. Like, this could have been fan art by him. But I don't know. Sonic's mouth looks janky. Right. Like, Sonic looks like uh, (laughs) all those fan arts that you always see posted, right? Where it's just a little bit off. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, like, it's just not exact. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's very strange. Have you seen this art before? No, I haven't. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think, like, Blaze the Cat became purple, right? But her power is flames, but her design doesn't really have that... Like, you don't think flames. All oh, this character has flame powers when you see Blaze the Cat, right? Um, here, she kind of looks more yeah. like she would be a character with fire because of the red and the hair. So I'm, I'm just surprised right. that they, they changed the, her color from red to purple. That's it. I mean, and, I, I guess they wanted to ground her a little more because, I mean, Sonic's fast and nowadays people kind of associate him with blue lightning but it's not like he's made of blue lightning no um so maybe they just wanted to tone it down a bit and you know i mean i i can't imagine them actually having her be all black because she would get lost in the scenery of the 2d games yeah um so uh okay um well, oh yeah what do you think about also the fact that blaze is purple and so is uh Big the Cat, like, what do you think about, like, it could have been a Big the Cat game, like, Big the Cat and Sonic teaming up finally to to find Froggy, (laughs) like, would that be more interesting? Like an alternate Dimension Big who lost a lot of weight or something like that? No, I just call it Sonic Rush and Slow, and then one is like... Small Thin the Cat? (laughs) Big and Small or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I wish, it's my, my dream, so, um... So in Sonic's 25th anniversary, they also showed us these concept arts for Blaze designs that we never got. Uh, We talked about this one in a Sega News Bits, but we kind of focused more on Shadow because Blaze's designs were like very little differences, you know? Like her hair, here's the spiky. That first one in the left, it reminds me of like a haircut from like the early 2000s, you know what I mean? Like where... It's this weird spiky thing with a bandana in the front or something. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh, There's one with, like, Aladdin pants. uh, And then there's the other one that has, like, this little towel with flames on it. Um, What do you think about these ideas for her? Is there any of the concepts where you you like it? And is there... Because I'm not really feeling any of these. I kind of like her... I... I really like the bottom uh, left... With those pants, those like... Aladdin pants? Uh, Aladdin kind of pants. Yeah, I really like that. I wish they kind of pushed that a little more. Mm. Um, she looks very sticks the Badger, in the upper right. 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 Yeah. Uh, they, they also made her, like, more mean in the early concept. Have you noticed that? Yeah, she looks like Knuckles, almost, in the top middle. You see yep. that? Like, she has the dreads. Yep, yep, she does. Yeah. What if, it's almost like they were designing her for as a rival, and they're like, "Let's copy Knuckles real quick and put some spiky hair on him." You know, female Knuckles, hey. female Shadow. No, if All it right. works. So, this is the character we got in the end, uh, Blaze, with her purple jacket and 
pink trim. And right here in this artwork, is it just me or does her shoes look pink instead of red? They are indeed pink. Okay. So her biography is, as a guardian of the Soul Emeralds, she's currently hot on the trail of Dr. Eggman, who's made off with him. Blaze is normally calm and level-headed, but may be concealing her real feelings. Devoted to her uh, position, she sometimes gets bogged down by her own strict discipline, which may explain why she seems a little withdrawn. Um, so in the end of the game... Okay, in this game, they use Blaze to become friends with Cream the Rabbit, which I actually kind of like that dynamic. Um, I, I, Cream is a terrible character, but I like the idea that they actually used her for more than just, I don't know, nothing. Because, like, Sonic Team sometimes is really bad with friend characters and just, like, wastes them away, you know? So I did like that, she, that Cream became relevant, even though I'm not a big fan of the character. And in the end of the game... Blaze leaves, obviously, but she actually never really left because she's almost been in every single, as a cameo <laughs> or something, in every single right. game after this, right? She became one of the, I put here, is she one of the last uh, most re uh, relevant Sonic fan, uh, characters that have been introduced? And I forgot Silver, I forgot, right? Um. Yes, a year later. You're right, yes. Yeah. And they they usually bunch her together with Silver because they're both from, like, other places. <laughs> so, that's the interesting bit. So, I was talking to my brother who uh, has been uh, studying Sonic lore in college, right? So, he's, got a, he's getting oh, sure. his master's. He's getting his master's in uh, Sonicology. And he says, because I kind of skipped the whole Sonic 06 story, I don't care. That in in that one they tried to rewrite her to be from the future instead of another dimension or and that uh, the Eggman or whatever is from the same future two hundred years right because uh, that this Eggman mm -hmm. the future Eggman is the same timeline as um, Silver and they try to write her as a two hundred year old future character but I think Sonic Team took it back from what I from what I heard. And she's still from Soul Dimension. Yeah. Right. It's it's always been a little tricky because they sometimes will group her together with Silver, but other times they're like, oh, she's from another dimension in the future. And then I think Ian Flynn now just has her, like, it, he doesn't talk about what time she's from. She's just from the Soul Dimension. Because if you remember uh, in the Sonic... IDW comics, Sonic went there and lost his memory, and he was like sipping tea with a British accent. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next character, this is kind of a controversial character. I mean, um, I well, I guess I don't have his picture up on here. I don't know why he's not showing up. But it's basic... Man, I kind of wish I had that picture, because I kind of wanted to talk about his character design, but um, it's basically Eggman Nega, which... Uh, if you're hearing this in the podcast, you might think it sounds like another word, and that's true. It sounds like Sega, because they just put an N in front of Sega and kind of <laughs> got lazy with the naming. Also, obviously, it sounds like another word that you might not want to say publicly, and that was kind of a meme during 2005 on forums where they were making fun of it. Um, I, think, oh. I think it's really bad naming for a character, not because of what it sounds like or whatever, but just because it's lazy. Like, 
why would your kid in 200 years in the future take the insult name that they call you, right? I don't know. That's weird. Well, wouldn't it be me? like neg- negative? Like, Is that what they're trying to go with like here? An, like the colors on him and everything? It, he's like a negative Eggman. But yeah, it the, the whole Eggman nega thing kind of reeked of Mario naming conventions where it'd be like, oh, it's Dry Bones Bowser. It's Dry Bones Mario. It's Dry... You know, like they would pick up on something like oh it's cat mario cat luigi like they would and then apply it to every character and then it would get crazy and you're like oh my god it's peach you know peach has it now and and uh (laughs) yeah no i agree with you the he reminds me and i wish i don't know why none of the pictures are populating anymore because i wanted to talk i have covers to look at to, to post but i guess he looks like Wario, really. Like, he, Eggman Wario. Like, that's the first thing I thought about when I played the game. I'm like, oh, they literally are just doing Wario, but an Eggman version. So I always thought that even... I would even say Wario is even more creative in a way because he looks way different than Mario. He's literally like a fat, nasty version of Mario, which gives him a little more interest here. This one? I will, Okay, so... I like the idea that he doesn't even like Eggman. He thinks he's beneath him because he wants to do an interdimensional Eggman land. That's his literal that's his literal like end goal <laughs> to just make an interdimensional version of Eggman land. So I thought that was hilarious in the game. I, I actually kind of like that take. It's like, oh yeah? You want to do it in this earth? Well, I want to do it interdimensionally. It's like yeah, <laughs> your vision's too small, Eggman. Sorry. Uh, I like that. Right. I really like that. Um what is your overall opinions about him? And he's been used a bit. Um, I know he does cameos in those Tokyo uh, Olympic Games or Tokyo right, Olympic right, one, yeah. which is weird. Because I mean, I I like the idea of an alternate Eggman. I wish they, if they did bring him back, I'd like to see it in like a three D game where they really get to interact with each other and butt heads. Um, but to be quite honest, if they were ever to bring him back, it would be fun to see him in one of the movies like Mm. Jim Carrey making a cameo as Eggman Nega but he's also himself I don't know like Like, whenever it comes to like playing other characters it seems like Jim Carrey likes doing that so like uh, his brother or something like they don't have to make him from the future right they could just be like oh yeah I have a brother and he always wants I mean it doesn't even need to be for the whole movie it could just be like an easter egg or something like they're going they're going through the dimensions with the rings and they go through one and there's like an alternate Eggman there. But, you know, uh, Sonic, and I'm blanking on the name, the Netflix show coming out. Um, Prime? Who knows? Maybe he'll appear in that. Sonic Prime, yeah. Prime, yeah. Yeah. I hope they do a good job. I, I, I've been watching the Cuphead one they did, the adaptation for, and I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, it's hard to capture that hand-drawn style, especially now that studios are cheap. But it's a fun show to watch. I think they did a pretty good job, all things considered. And I hope they do yeah. a good job with the Sonic show. I think uh, it could be really popular. I've been noticing a lot of kids lately. Like, all my nephews, very into Sonic because of the movie. So, it's like a mm-hmm. totally new lease on the character, I think. A brand new fan base. So, let's talk about this game's game play. So, oh, I've heard of that. Oh, you heard about that? Games usually have gameplay. I know. It's it's a very strange phenomenon. But uh, the majority of the gameplay for Sonic Rush is 2D. 
and it feels like an expansion of their Sonic Advance titles, but with a faster take on gameplay. While the majority of the levels are 2D, the bosses are fully polygonal 3D, and there are also like a half pipe, like, you know, Sonic 2 uh, wannabe thing. Uh, what was your opinions of uh, Sonic Rush's semi 2.5D type bosses? Because they kind of reuse the uh, whole the the boss the same like over and over, right? Like it's one. Yeah, it did feel a little recycled. Um, I liked it though. I, I the game kind of felt like a Saturn title to me. Like if they made, uh, like they just went out all out and made a two D Sonic Saturn game, mm. um, which we actually wouldn't see again until, of course, Sonic Mania, which also does kind of a 2.5D thing at times with bosses and locations. So um, I liked it. And at the time, it was the best they could do. You know, like it was a representation of a 3D object. Now looking back at it, you watch it and you're like, oh, this game's so like, it's got such a retro aesthetic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um, which is kind of funny because it's so true. Because I remember at the time when DS games were coming out, people were looking at the graphics and they're like, holy crap, it's like Saturn games on handheld. Yep. And now, you know, at one point we were playing 3DS and we we're like, wow, it's like Dreamcast games on handheld. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think even at the time we were well aware of how the graphics were, they weren't dated, they were just kind of like low quality to the point of feeling dated. Which is yeah. very strange at the time. It was right. very weird. Right. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of like the aesthetics. Like these PlayStation, it's kind of like it lived on a little bit longer. And the idea, like, I was actually kind of impressed that they uh, ported Mario 64 to the DS. It wasn't perfect, of course. But the fact that you could play that game that you, like, 10 years before this were playing on a console on a big CRT TV, that was pretty crazy, I thought. Yeah. So, since the game was on the DS, Dimps and Sonic Team used up the, the whole two screens by showing gameplay on both and having you drop down from the top uh, on big drops. Thus, part of the game was designed on having these uh, sections to show off the blazing speed from one screen to the other. Uh, what is your opinion on Sonic Rush using the dual screens during gameplay? Do you think this made the game better or hurt the gameplay? Well, you know, I mean, it's they had to do it. I can't imagine them releasing this game and not doing it. And I've been playing some kind of like old DS titles recently. And it kind of annoys me when a large portion of the screen on either the top or bottom is useless. Like, it's just a picture of the character, the name of the game, and like a health bar that could very mm. easily be on the, the other screen. Um, I think the trade-off, though, is that because of this, none of the Sonic DS games have ever been ported to anything else. It's, it's hard, you um, know? Yeah, and I, as much as I push for like the Sonic Advance games to be ported to something, I don't know if this will be... I mean, it would be possible to play the DS games on other hardware, but would it look good? I don't think so. I don't, you know, like I'm thinking maybe Switch would be the only place to really do it any justice because you can hold it sideways. Right. But that's about it. I don't um, want to see Sonic Rush on the PS5. Well, I don't think I don't think they could do that. I wonder if they could just make an emulator and be like, "Here's our game." And but then again, they do it with like those Lion King games that they release on a PS4 
they, uh, Switch they can and do Xbox? It. They can, right. right? Hmm. Yeah, I think as long as the game is... Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any issue there. Hmm. Yeah. It I, is strange, though. That's something I've always wanted to know. Those You mentioned that Disney collection that came out recently. It is really odd to play Game Boy games on your Xbox. Yeah, that's what I was like. <laughs> yeah, Is this even legal? Am I doing something illegal on my system? Um, I will say uh, I do like the dual screen, and not a lot of games took advantage of it. I'm even trying to think how many Nintendo games took advantage of it without it being like a menu, like an actual gameplay thing. Not too many mm. that I could think of. And uh, I think Sonic Team actually did this correctly. Um, there's only a few times where I hated the little cut in between screens. But this is one of the areas where they actually did a good job. And it's kind of crazy because they did such a bad job on random things in other games that the one thing I thought they would screw up in this game is the two-screen thing. I was like, oh, they're going to screw it up. And then I played it and I was like, oh, well, surprisingly, wasn't it wasn't annoying at all. I don't know if it made the game better, but it definitely uh, made it more attractive on the DS. When you see someone play a game with two screens taking up art, it looks amazing. So, yeah. Right. Sonic yeah. Rush... Also expands the trick system that they introduced with Sonic Advance 2, allowing Sonic and Blaze to extend their jumps by hitting ramps and springs by pressing on-screen buttons, which would later be used in modern games, the trick system. But doing tricks and destroying enemies would fill up your tension gauge, which is what it was called back in 2005. This would allow you to boost past the game. That's right. Sonic Rush was the first game to feature a form of boost gameplay that would later be used in Sonic Unleashed in 2008 and be a staple of modern Sonic gameplay. Uh, so first of all, what's a better name? I feel like Sonic Team changing the name from hmm. Tension to Boost is probably the best thing they did because like Boost literally just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Tension game right. is dumb. Like whoever named it uh, probably fired. But what do you think? <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, the end result is boosting. So it's really the boost gauge. And I'm sure they picked up on, you know, players referring to it as that. And they're like, clearly it's not like release Sonic's tension. Right. Like what? Like he's getting a back massage or something. Or, so, he, or something more nefarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as far as my opinions on boost gameplay, in, in this game, it, it worked because this game was built around it. Mm -hmm. And I think when you make a game built around boost gameplay like in 2d it works very well when it's in 3d you're gonna have to be prepared to you know graphically be able to handle it as they've said many times with the development of unleashed like the sonic kept completing the levels too quickly so they had to make them longer and longer and longer um and it wasn't until later that they had to start kind of nerfing his uh boost ability so that they could actually make him the stage is shorter and, and, you know, they created their own problem, basically, yeah. uh, with Boost. And, I mean, I remember playing Colors and I was like, oh, he's so slow now. The Boost is like, you know. Yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say that. Um, but I like I like Boost gameplay when it works, and I think here it works, for I sure. I agree. I agree. This one actually does work be uh, better, especially because you have, like, it's just 2D, so there's not a lot of things that go wrong. With 3D, you can go anywhere, left, right, uh, diagonally, uh, jump off a level ramp. This one is just you go back or you go left or you go right. 
So it makes it a lot easier in, in a gameplay uh, design standpoint. And I think that's why Sonic Fortress has that look that looks like Fantasy Star 2. I think they are pulling assets and sharing assets at Sega, which is smart because I think a lot of the problems with uh, past Sonic games is that they have to make all these assets and the levels in so quickly. And they spend so much time creating assets that people don't even look at because they're blazing past everything. Um, so <laughs> right, yeah. As for stages in this game, this game's actually kind of short. It has seven stages. And I was going to run through them, but I don't think it's actually kind of worth it. I think this is one of the... I don't know if it's a negative thing, but I think at the time it was... People kind of liked the idea of this, but they kind of just based the levels off of past levels, right? So there would be... Leaf Storm is actually Green Hill Zone, or Night Carnival is Casino Nights, exact for example. Right. And, um, what is your? Uh, what do you think about them do, like taking their own take on classic levels? This is something that they've been doing a lot lately, right? And there's a lot of fans that are like, "Uh, Green Hill Zone, but it's a desert." Oh, um, uh, City Escape again. I mean, when Sonic Generations did it, right. and I think this one did its own take. People were okay with it because it was you know, handheld or whatever. But what's your take on that whole thing? Well, I mean, at this point, we're over 30 years into the franchise with how many games? Like over 100. It's got to be. Um, so when you consider that, there's obviously going to be a repetition in stages. But I think at the time, people wanted to experience this new boost gameplay, but in recognizable environments. So it was kind of fun to be like, oh, I'm in a Green Hill Zone kind of place, but I'm boosting in Night Carnival. I'm boosting in like a Casino Night sort of stage. I think it works there. I think if if Sonic Rush lasted like three or four games and they were still like revisiting Genesis era stages, people would be kind of right to be a little annoyed. But it was uh, it was not that long lived of a franchise. So, you know, I, I understand the issue, but then, like, what are they going to do? Like, have a candy cane level, have a pumpkin level. Oh, wait, no, they already did that. Yeah, you know, they did like... that. <laughs> I mean, is yeah. there anywhere that Sonic hasn't ran through? Like, I'm trying to think of one. Like, he's been in real-life locations, like San Francisco, right? Um, maybe they don't call it right. that. He's been all over the world. He's been to a different dimension. He literally went through candy, like a... Like a like, a donut level so right like you have to start getting really weird like oh it's a toy store oh it's a toilet factory oh imagine oh, it's a abandoned toys a R Kleenex zone. box factory <laughs> abandoned toys uh, R Us you know factory. like you start getting super specific where it's almost like it's starting to turn into a game like uh tempo do you remember that where it's yeah. like oh everything's teeth <laughs> you yeah know? Like, yeah <laughs> So, one of the criticisms from fans, especially classic uh, Sonic fans, was that the level design in this game had like a meme where everyone's like, to win in this game, all you have to do is press uh, press right and uh, press boost, and the game plays itself. Do you, do you agree with... I don't agree with that, obviously. There's jumps, there's stuff you have to do, um, but is that the, a right assertion of this game? No, I, I mean, like you said, the, the game is not completely push right to win. There are segments where you're like, look, I'm not doing anything. But it's like, enjoy the music, enjoy the graphics. Enjoy, you know, like, it, it kind of reminds me of in Sonic 3 when he goes into the tunnel inside the tree. Yeah. And then runs in a circle going up. Like, that wasn't necessary. I'm just pushing right and going up 
but it's fun to watch and it's a fun visual. It's it's there's great music playing. Um, maybe they tried to get away with doing that too many times in this game, but mm. I don't know. End of the day, it's it's still fun, challenging, and there's a lot to do in this game. So I'm not going to complain in that regard. I I think something like Sonic Forces is more of like a push forward to win sort of game. It's so easy. Yeah, and I agree with that. I was replaying it recently, and I was like, man, when am I going to get to the end? And I'm like, wait, I'm playing the second to last stage. This is super easy, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, and it's short, too. I mean, I'm, it's just surprising how, how <laughs> short that game was and it, how long it took to come out. Um, Yeah, I agree with you on the push, right? I think part of Sonic games is it's kind of like an amusement game. Like, it's kind of like a ride in a bit. And I've always... It's kind of like in Sonic Adventure, right? When you did the boost gameplay and then the whale comes out and it destroys the bridge, you're technically not pressing any right. button. But that's one of the most iconic scenes in that game. So to take that away, it would be like uh, all the press shots would be halved, right? Because every time they showed <laughs> that game, it was that picture of that whale breaking the bridge, right? Right. It's yeah. a set piece. You know, yeah. Sonic's been doing it for for decades. I mean, I even pointed out Sonic 3 did it. So yeah. Exactly. You know, I guess the set piece fails when it's not that interesting. I agree with and that. And I've seen Forces do it where it's not that interesting at times. But there were other moments in Forces, like when they had that big uh, Eggman fleet towards the end. I was like, and like the moon and everything. The graphics were like insanely good. And it was really cool to see all of these like technological things in outer space. I mean... The whole stage itself wasn't extremely fun to play, but it was it was so cool looking at times. So there's that. <laughs> and I, I I've been uh, I've been seeing this game being played in an emulator. I guess the only way that you could technically, you know, have it would be to play it in a two images right next to each other, one on top, and you just play it with a controller. I do wonder if that would work, right. though, because I think it was designed to have a space in between it, but I don't know. Um, so let's talk about the music in this game. The music in this game is probably, well, unique for a Sonic game. Um, it has a cult following to this day because of the Funkalicious soundtrack featuring the legendary Jet Say Radio and Jet Say Radio Future and Twitter meme daddy of sorts, uh, Hideki Nagayuma. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's become some sort of like, I don't know, cat boy lover. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, which is based in Redfield and cool. Um, while he is the main, uh, composer, most, uh, <laughs> and it's obviously why it is done in his iconic GSR style. The game's sound director was actually a guy that I can't even say his name. Tarahiko Nakagawa who has worked at Sega since 1994 and has done games like Gun Valkyrie, Sonic Advance 2, wow. Sonic Heroes, and Astro Boy before this game. Um, Naganuma also got help from Team Musico, which is a production company that he uh, Sega's been working with for a long time. Um, so, first of all, you're a huge Jet Set Radio fan, right? What was yeah. your opinion around right when you boosted this game up? Like, did you know he made the soundtrack before you played the game? Or when you booted it up, you're like, oh, Hideki Naganuma, don't, no more. Oh, no, I, I knew full well. I, I listened to, like, the 
high quality MP3s before I played this game. Mm. And then when I played the game, I was like, oh, it sounds a little shit, right? Downgraded. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound as good as but, the audio audio. But that's that's one place where I'd love to see a remaster where it's this, still the the game as it plays, but with with you know CD quality sound. But still, um, no, I was well aware of Naganuma, um, his work on this. But what I was not, I mean, the mindset I was not in was what we uh, know of him now. You know, his Twitter persona, which I, it hasn't ruined his music for me, but it's definitely changed my perception of it. Like he used to just be this. It used to just be this Japanese name attached to this music, and now there's all these like weird Twitter moments and interactions. And um, I mean, I, I thought about it recently, and I'm like, I guess like for someone to make this type of music, which is very, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like spasmatic. It's like you know, and it's like 13 different weird sounds like working together. Like I think you need to kind of be Hideki Naganuba to make it. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you see him on Twitter, he seems like a weird dude. And I think a weird dude would make this kind of music. I don't think he's like the, um, you know, like Streets of Rage or uh, or Dreams Come True. Like, he's not those sorts of uh, composers who's got it, got it all together. Um, and I think that's a compliment, I guess. Because you're not going to get this type of music from anyone but him. Um, and I, I know I, I sent you a file, but it's it's way too crazy. But essentially, I have on my computer, and it, it's been a publicly available in some areas of the internet, uh, a like Sega um, uh, sampler like collection. So it's all the raw samples that. Sega sound team and Hideki Naganuma would use for this game and it's worth seeking out uh maybe I'll try to share it somehow but like it's just so bizarre to like I don't think so it's just like little like 30 like five second like to the beat John you don't stop you know it's like that sort of thing Mm. or like you'll hear something and you're like that sounds like very familiar and then you hear it again and like in context and you're like oh it's the like the half second weird sound that I heard in a Jet Set Radio song so so um, he reused sounds from other games right yeah yeah there's song sounds from Jet Set Radio and even from other Sega producer music producers that for songs he did not work on mm. um, where they appeared I think Wind, uh, Windmill Isle the 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 I'm not doing it justice, but you know what I'm talking about, the right. like guitar. That's not someone at Sega playing a guitar in front of a microphone. That's a sample that they've used, but then Naganuma has also used for, I don't know if it was Jet Set Radio or for this game. So it's uh, it's been all over the place. Um, I have a Roland uh, synthesizer and there is an expansion bay for hip-hop sounds that I have, and it plays the exact same sounds that you hear in that um, haunted uh, stage in Sonic Heroes, oh, where it really? goes, DJ, give it up, give it up, whap, 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 DJ, woo, so it, ah! it's just from that then, right? <laughs> ah! <laughs> What's that? So it's just from that Roland yeah, keyboard. And that Roland expansion bay... Yeah, Sega. Someone at Sega must have that exact same 
expansion bay for the Roland, and they just went through and made the, you know, the Mystic Mansion, I think it was called, or something like that. It's just, it's funny. It's funny how they're all really tied together just because they're all using the same samples and the same And is that legal? So. To do? Yeah, it's legal. I mean, there's... There's a difference between using samples that have been put out there for public use and being like uh, using under pressure. You know what I mean? Like ding, 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 you know? So I will say this game only had one release on a CD back in 2005. They got the original Groove Rush album. It hasn't been re-released since then. And I feel like if it, if it ever got like a vinyl on data disc or... I don't know if uh, there's other companies doing them now that it would sell a lot because I feel like Jet Set Radio and Hideki Naganuma stuff is just, I don't know. It's weird because every time he posts on Twitter, the replies are from people in like the early twenties, uh, late teens. Like it's crazy. I'm like, what the, f- where do you guys hear from this, this, all, this Japanese guy that hasn't made a game soundtrack in like, like a, I would say for a big company in forever, so it's crazy that I'm yeah. like, that he's just like getting he's more popular than he's ever been. I don't know. I've I've asked I've asked this before. I don't know how he like what where does he get his income from? Yeah, you know I, what I mean. Like he doesn't stay. Does he? He can't be making that much off of like sales of his old music. I don't think he makes any. He said that. Maybe maybe he goes. What to, does he do? Maybe he goes to Japan. He goes to the office, the welfare office, and he's like, "I'm not mentally well, able to do anything." And they're like, no. "Excuse me." And then he goes. He shows, he them shows his yeah, Twitter yeah, profile. yeah. He shows him the Twitter profile, and then they're like, "Sir, say no more. Here's free money." And then he goes and well, has no. Noodles. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll I'll meet game developer indie game devs, and I'm like, "You've been working on this game for ten years. Like, what do you do for a job?" And they're like, "Oh no, I work IT. You know, like I have a day job." This is a, but like with Hideki Naganuma, is he, I'm not concerned for the guy. I'm sure he's doing fine, but like, I really am confused sometimes. I'm like, what do you do all day? I, I kind of wonder that. And when I, when we started a, a hero from AM2, I was like, what is this? Yeah. How does he like, what does he do to keep the roof? Like the, you know, roof over his head. The lights on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've noticed that he was posting that he did like, Sound for like Philips uh, washing machines or something like that, and I was like, oh, and now I want this washing machine because it's AM2 approved sounds on it. My my laundry will never be as clean, you know. Um, so I have an LG machine that makes some pretty gnarly music, so maybe that was him. I don't know. Maybe I was gonna say, as far as pricing for this uh, CD, if you guys want it as a collector's item, it's not that rare. It uh, sold on Discogs for twenty bucks back in March one, twenty twenty one. So it's probably worth picking up, especially since uh, Nayanuma is getting more and more popular on the internet. <laughs> I would definitely uh, look into it. Um, as far as, well, let me look at it real quick. Let's talk a little bit about the tie-ins. And sadly, I can't have two things yeah. at once. So Sonic Rush tie-in story is featured in Archie Sonic Comics 160 and 161 which is an interesting issue because it's also the first issue written by or taken over by Ian Flynn and also Tra- mm-hmm. Trace, Tracy Yardley. Is that right? Is it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and as a contributing artist, uh, he, and their relationship as an artist and writer have been ongoing since this issue. 
And it also marks the first appearance as of Evil Sonic, um, which is, uh, I guess, cool. They never used him in a video game, surprisingly. Uh, the story is rather basic. So the story in the comic is Blaze looking for the blue one in Not Whole, Vill Villi uh, Not Whole Village while she is jumped by SWAT bots and taken to Dr. Eggman <laughs> where she's hooked up to machines gathering info on her. She wakes up, blazes everyone up. When Sonic hears what's happening, she recognizes him, uh, which for some reason, comic reasons, leads to her attacking Sonic, who decides to do to create a vortex around Blaze to stop her flames because of lack of oxygen. And uh, they have their intros. Uh, then, I guess, Blade says he's the one she's seeking, teleports away, saying she will haunt Sonic's dreams the way he haunted hers. <laughs> and uh, what do you think about... What what do you think about this tie-in, and what do you think about characters being introduced in comics? Like, oh, I don't even know who you are, Sonic Rush. I don't know what the hell that is. I'm just gonna fight. Like, that's one of my pet peeves with comics. It's like characters that randomly just fight each other just for action on the page. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's a pretty weak adaptation because really it's just tying Blaze into the Archie Sonic universe, but. It's a B story in both issues, so she just kind of appears and disappears and doesn't really play a part for a long time in the series. Um, Archie did that a lot, though, back in the day. It was actually the reason why I stopped subscribing. Uh, when Sonic Adventure 2 came out, they, real, they revealed that it was going to just be a backup story, completely unconnected to Archie for, like, four pages. And I'm like, so one of the most epic Sonic stories ever in a video game is not getting adapted and yet your story right now is this weird Ken Pender story about Sonic like drifting through space and like space marines coming like what? Um, but you can you can check that one and a, a lot of the other ones out in the uh, collection it's called Sonic Select Book 9 The Games and that's going to have uh, a reprint of that as well as some reprints of stories that have never been physically printed because there's some digital titles as well as um, ones that were only in magazines. So there's a Sonic 4 adaptation that was only in a magazine. So that's kind of cool. But uh, if you're a, a Sonic video game fan, this one's worth checking out. But yeah, the the adaptation was not, not great. And I'd actually love to see the IDW Sonic comics tackle it. Like, I think it would be really fun. I know um, he has... Blaze is in those comics, but I'd like to see them maybe touch upon the events of Sonic Rush and maybe even bring Nega into play. That would be fun. Oh, and I had one more question. I mean, one more uh, question for you. What do you think about Blaze uh -oh. and Big the Cat becoming? Uh, they're both purple cats, right? But they're mm. also both stoner heroes. Like they become like obviously uh, Big because he kind of acts like a stoner, and Blaze because. You know, 420 Blaze, you know, the meme. What do you think about that, that, that uh, the stoner community has in, in, embraced the cat culture from these, from these Sonic games? That makes sense. I mean, I, I think stoners like cats because they're low, you know, low effort to raise them. So, you know, you can get, you can get high and you know, <laughs> take them out for a walk or something like yeah, that. Sonic Rush is probably um, too fast I think, for them. I mean, if we're really going to get into it, like, I, I think Blaze probably would be attracted to Big because unlike 
you know, most humans, I think with cats, when they see like this big male cat, like that's an alpha to her. Like she sees that and she's just like, look at that piece. Um, (laughs) I don't think Blaze would be into like a small little skinny cat man. Mm -mm. I honestly think she'd really like big. She's like, look Um, at that fishing rod. Huge, huge. Well, yeah. I mean, let's let's be real here. He'd bring fish to her. He's a nice guy. He, he she doesn't need a bed. She can just lay on his stomach and fall asleep. She, he's passionate about what he does, fishing. Yeah, I mean, I'm falling in love with Big right now. So, <laughs> let's talk about the game's advertisement. While Sonic Rush was a big hit in America <laughs> and Europe, the game only got an actual TV ad in Japan. So it wasn't even a 30 second ad, it was a like a 15 minute ad or 16 second ad. So let's uh, give that a look see here. Um, let me see if I could uh, change the controls here. All right. So let's watch it. Wow. So fast gameplay and the old style DS. Pretty basic, right? Like, that's like the most basic commercial I've ever seen in my life, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's no, like, joke. Like, most of these um, Japanese commercials, they have, like, some joke or a story or something happens. This one's like, here's a big DS, here's the game, this is what the game looks like. If you want it, buy it. Don't, I don't know, play another game. Um, <laughs> what do you think about that commercial? Did that make you want to buy it? What are they? I mean, I know we we don't have a translation, but in all these Japanese ads, when they're going like, what are they saying that's making that's selling you on the game? I would, I don't know. Probably like go out and buy Sonic. Is that the voice of Sonic? Is that the Japanese voice of Sonic? I think it is. Maybe it's telling you the story. Oh yeah, because at the beginning goes, "Hey, it's me, Sonic." Sonic, Sonic. What are you saying in Japanese? He says. uh... Sonic Choo or Sonic Goo? Or... Yo, Oya Sonica. <laughs> there you go. Wow, that was perfect Japanese. Yeah. I, I thought I was playing Yakuza. Good job. Yeah. They... So let's look at this uh, game advertisement. Um, this one's for the PAL region. Um, I actually think this would have been kind of an ad that Sega of America from the old days would have worked on, but it would have been an actual actor, and there would have been some perspective better perspective here i feel like uh this perspective is wonky the art is really bad it reminds me of uh yeah sega visions art right like they had these random artists you know sega visions was low budget it kind of reminds me of that right. art from that sega magazine yeah i'm definitely getting i'm getting that vibe yeah yeah so what do you think about this advert is it something that would as a if you were from the uk which you're not obviously um would this make you want to buy it I mean, I'd, if I had a DS, I'd be buying it anyway, but it is very strange and low effort. Um, I mean, I get it. Like, you want to jump like Sonic, but you can't, so your head will go through the scene. I don't know. Right, right. It's um, a little odd. And I almost totally forgot that the DS wasn't just the DS Lite, that there was this bigger one. Did you ever own this big DS? No, no. I mean... My general thing with uh, Nintendo products was I'd always get, like, the later version. Right. Um, I did that with the 3DS. But then they made another 3DS. I did the uh, 
the large 3DS before they did the new large whatever. Yeah, the um, all new large 3DS XL, which was ridiculous. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Another one?" And then they released a Switch uh, not that long after. But um, about this one, I don't know. I like. Have you seen people ever have this in person? Like, this is one of those like DSs where I've seen maybe one person my whole life, and and you know, like only. I've only ever seen them like at used game stores and at swap meets. I've never seen someone actually playing them. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like this. I've never system... seen someone playing a DS in recent years. Well, of course not. Not anymore with the Switch out. It's kind of like, yeah. They, well, uh... they'll have a 3DS if anything. Yeah, and uh, on the on the Switch, they don't have any of that uh, me. Uh... What do they call those? Street pass or whatever? Remember when, when you would take it to a convention and people would literally just, like, you would have their names that you passed by or walked by? Right, and you'd meet, like, Nintendo staff. That was cool. Yeah. So they don't do that yeah. with a Switch, but DS, cool system. Uh, not this version, though. I like the light. I, thought, I think the light's really slick looking and made it way better. Um we have this other ad. This is the actually the American ad, and this is one of those ads again that are really hard to find online. So I had to take this from a eBay auction. Oh, <laughs> the wow. fact that they're selling uh, these uh, adverts for magazines as art, game art, is crazy to me. Uh, I think this one's a little bit better. This one's the uh, look. All these magazines says the game's actually good, guys. Don't take our word for it. Ad, you know. Um, I think it's yeah. smart because. Back in this days, it was hard for Sonic Team to get good ratings for magazines. So the fact that Play Magazine and uh, they should have also put IGN. I, I guess they gave it Game of the Year um, right here. Uh, big deal, I think, for them at this time. Especially since this was the biggest thing people... It actually mattered to people back then. Uh, reviews from games. I think now uh, influencers right. and Twitch streamers and actually seeing the game for yourself... Um, is more important than it used to. I mean, it used to be back then. Everyone would be like, "What did IGN say? What did uh, this?" You know. So, what do you think about this ad? I mean, it works. I, I like ads that show a lot of screenshots, show character art. Um, I guess it it could help to have review quotes that are a little more like in depth. But I understand that they're not going to be like posting something that's really going to make you think. It's mostly just going to say, it's one heck of a roller coaster ride, you know? Right. And, you know, when you write reviews, or I guess I'm asking myself that question, too, do you ever think about, like, making something quotable? I never think to write, this game's one heck of a roller coaster ride. Maybe sometimes when I'm thinking of the title, like, oh, you have to have something, right? Like, uh, uh, Yakuza 6, the in the great ending to a, you know, legendary saga or something, right? I guess that right. way, that way, yes. But outside of that, probably not really. <laughs> I'm not really thinking like maybe Sega will put this in a magazine. There's no magazines anymore, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, right. just I would say it's a basic ad, nothing uh, out of the ordinary. I think it's smart that they used all that. So let's talk about the game's legacy. Well, we have discussed the game and how it changed a lot of the Sonic brand. From introducing a staple Sonic female character, Blaze, to establishing the idea of other dimensions, introducing Boost-style gameplay to an audience, and even taking two screens up on the Nintendo DS, one thing the game did 
was be highly rated at the time that a lot of game Sonic games were coming out unfinished and rushed and critically panned. Sonic Rush on Metacritic has an 82 out of 100. At first I was like, that's not that high, but it's actually higher than Sonic Generations and the same score as Sonic Transformed or Sonic and Sega wow. All-Stars Transformed. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, wow. in my opinion, because it's such a simple and small game, you know? Um, which isn't the best ever, but it was something the Sonic brand really needed at this time. And especially with Sonic Team not really understanding what the future could have been. It went from, like, Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Hero, Shadow, Sonic 06, and then Sonic Unleashed. It was like this weird, like, they were trying to figure out what they wanted the future to be. Um, right. Um, it is crazy that it's only a few points lower than Sonic Mania, which got an 86 out of 100 in Metacritic. Are you surprised wow. that none of these games actually got over a 90 on Metacritic? I am, especially like, th well, this one, because to be quite honest, like DS is not a hard hitting, big, techy handheld. Like it's, it's, you know, it's a toy. And this game, you know, is, I think, a step above what they could have done um, and what they had done in previous titles at the time. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, the fact this is not, like, 90 or the fact that uh, something like Sonic Mania isn't, like, 90. Then again, I remember when Sonic Mania Plus came out, people were giving it low scores because they were reviewing it based on, oh, I have to pay extra for DLC, but it's like... Take it as its own, like, go back, look at Mania, and now look at all the new stuff it has, and that is what Sonic Mania is moving forward. How do you review that? Um, so, I mean, maybe that's the issue, but it surprises me. Thankfully, Sonic Frontiers is going to be 100 out of 100 on Metacritic. I, I think so, too. I th <laughs> Don't quote me on this. I don't want to come back and be like... Sonic fans and they clip us and I'm like it's going to be 100 out of 100 and then it's like you know music and then it shows the actual scores and it's like 1 out of 10 that would suck right yeah um, you know IGN a little website out there um, they are kind of known to be the Sonic haters a lot of people you know they've been memed forever like they hate Sonic they hate Sega they actually really enjoyed this game they gave it a 9 out of 10 and it was listed as the 17th best Nintendo DS game ever made. Ever, ever, ever made. Wow. Do you think it's too low on the list? Or do you think that seems about right? <laughs> I think that's pretty fair given how many probably first party Nintendo titles made the list first. Right. Um, yeah, that's fair. And, you know, before we close it up, I have a secret question for you. What is uh -oh. your favorite DS game you've played? Ooh. That's a good one, right? That's a really good question. I'd have to look at my DS library. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Sonic Rush is definitely up there. It is a really fun game. Yeah, I guess it would be Sonic Rush, because I'm thinking Sonic Rush Adventure doesn't really do it for me like this one did sonic colors i know some people really like the ds version of that but again i go back to this one so 
Man, yeah, I guess I guess Sonic Rush is kind of my favorite DS title. I've never really thought about that. Oh. Um, but then again, I'm a, I'm a Sega boy. I'm a Sonic boy. It's not like I'm going to name some Nintendo franchise. Ooh. How about you? Um, see, I'm going to go with Phoenix Wright games because I just played those the most. I remember being like staying up all those night. Those are very good. Yeah, like staying up yeah. all night trying to solve the cases. <laughs> I know they're like most of them are Game Boy Advance games ported over, but... That was just my first experience with the games. Like I, we didn't get the Game Boy Advance versions, so I don't know what they play like or right. what they are. That was my intro to uh, Ace Attorney, and it's cool to have them on Switch too. So that's a good pick. Thank you. Um, and anything else you want to say about Sonic Rush before we close it up? Man, I feel like we rushed right through it, but it is it is fitting because it's a it's a small game. But it is an important game. I think the the introduction of Boost is something that is uh, forgotten about this game. And it was here. I think a lot of people point to Unleashed. Mm-hmm. But it was, to be quite honest, this was the game. And uh, what a game it is. And we actually have some Patreon memories here. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you support us at any tier, you get to share your memories. And we read them at the end of the show. So we have Daniel Andres here, and he says, Holy cowoly! I freaking love Sonic Rush! This game is easily one of my favorite 2D Sonic games ever. I, I'm not sure if I like this game more than Advance 3 yet, but next to that game, yeah, I love it. Everything about it. And I finally got around to playing it for the first time a couple of years ago. The final boss theme is legit underrated AF, which we all know what that means. That's a swear word. Um, and I love the whole soundtrack in general. Sonic Rush is a great time, and I'm not against replaying it again. The special stages are also perfect, which is rare in Sonic games. And then we have Alexa Carroll saying, I'm not a big fan of most of the Sonic games that have come out since the mid-2000s, but one of those few exceptions is Rush and its sequel. While having my childhood sense of optimism... Thoroughly shattered by Sonic 06, I could always go back to this vibrant and energetic gem. The music is top-notch, Blaze is a great character and fun to play as, and the gameplay in general is simple, yet still exciting and engaging. Speaking of gameplay, I think that the Rush games are actually the best implementation the series has seen of the boost, unlike the mainline games, where you're basically you're pretty much guaranteed to always be boosting since it fills up through rings or in Colors and Forces with Wisp capsules, both of which are everywhere. The trick system in Rush means that you're always having to be engaged with the game through racking up combos. See? I mean, this is me talking now, not not Alexa, but we said right, it's go right to win, but clearly. Clearly not. not. Right. And that's a pretty uh, good point. This adds, yeah, that's a great point. And this adds some risk versus reward as you want to get as high a combo as possible, but if you mess up and you don't complete it, if you barely get any boost at all. It also makes it a bit of a game about resource management, as you don't want to be boosting all the time, and your ability to do so is limited by the level of design in your own place. You need to be selective as when to use it. Rush is a great game, and I hope one day that it and Rush Adventure will be ported to modern system. It'd be a shame if they are forever stuck on the DS and more people don't get to experience some of Sonic's few bright spots bright spots from the modern day and then finally we have nicholas schaefer 
and he says, okay, this is a favorite of mine, easily, easily the best of the Boost games. I bought a DS the day this came out, and I was blown away by how fast, past, yet not automatic it was, and how good the beat was for a handheld game, and it felt like a modern Sonic game in 2D, with its grand story, original characters, and overall gameplay, really hoping we get a handheld collection on Switch, so we can bring this game to HD. Wow, wow, wow. I think a Sonic handheld collection is needed. And it's crazy because, like, we get so some of the dumbest collections I've ever seen. Like, the Disney Lion King Jungle Book slash maybe sometimes Jungle <laughs> Book, sometimes slash Aladdin slash... I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, With yeah, alternative yeah. manuals that you, is a raffle. Like, I don't know what's going on there. They could do that. If Disney could do that and license that, I think I think Sega could make a handheld collection of all these games, right? Here, 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 here. Yes, Neo Geo Pocket is doing it. So come on, let's go. We march on Washington tomorrow. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Sega Talk. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with you forgot, dude. Sonic. Sonic R, Sonic R, what is it? Sonic R, R, yeah, Sonic R, the oh, pirate Sonic game. R, that's Sonic yeah, R. I knew that. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone, bye, <laughs> bye.